Ernest, what's up? Y'all know I'm big on doing your research, sharing your research, and giving credit to where you found the research. But I always get asked the same question. Where do I start with the research? And the answer is easy. It's our sponsor, Yahoo Finance. Whether I'm tracking the daily movement of my favorite companies, doing technical analysis with their easy-to-use charting platform, or checking balance sheets, Yahoo Finance makes something very complex simplified. For more than 25 years, Yahoo Finance has been the brand behind every great investor. Whether you're a seasoned investor or you're looking for extra guidance, Yahoo Finance gives you all the tools and data you need in one place. They're the number one finance destination producing a holistic look at the financial news cycle, including breaking news, original editorial perspectives, analyst ratings, independent research, customizable charts, and so much more. You could actually securely link your brokerage accounts for a unified view of your wealth, including your 401k and other investments. A comprehensive perspective is what sets apart great investors. And it's how Yahoo Finance ensures you have the insight to look at your wealth in its entirety. With a community of over 90 million users each month, their real strength is helping you on your way to financial success. For comprehensive financial news and analysis, visit the brand behind every great investor, yahoofinance.com. The number one financial destination. That's yahoofinance.com. You heard me, yahoofinance.com. Don't wait, don't hesitate. I use it. You should go over and start using it now. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. All right, guys, welcome back. EYL, we got another exciting episode. Brooklyn. So, yeah. <laughs> Brooklyn. Oh, Brooklyn. <laughs> That's a fact. That's a fact. So anytime we get to talk about real estate, it's exciting. It seems like any every time we talk about real estate, there's always a different avenue. There's so many different ways to make money within real estate. Um, so this is the first time that we really had somebody from the city, from New York City, that was really big in real estate as an investor. Um, so Jude Bernard is a huge, huge, huge successful investor out of New York City. He owns 13 brownstones between Brooklyn and Harlem. And he also owns a physical location, the Brooklyn Bank, which we'll talk about, which is a nonprofit organization mm -hmm. in Brooklyn as well. He has a real estate company. Um, just a very accomplished. Wait, wait, you hear that sound? It's called Mogul Talk. That's a fact. That's a fact. So yeah, the is also. I thought it was an echo. <laughs> the properties together are valued over forty million dollars. Um, I mean, if you're familiar with any parts of um, New York City, if you know, you know brownstones and Brooklyn, Best Stuy area, and then Harlem, you know that you know on the low end, one million, one point five million on the high end, two point five, three million, four million dollars. Like, it's not uncommon for for brownstones to to go for that. He has a very unique story because he's one of the guys that, like, when Jay Z said, "I could have bought a Dumbo," I could have <laughs> bought a. What he said, I could have bought a crib in Dumbo. I could have bought a building in Dumbo for like for two, two million. million. That same building's worth twenty million. Twenty million. How I'm feeling, Dumbo? Dumbo. <laughs> so he's one of these guys that actually had an opportunity to invest um, early, and and you know before the areas really started to get gentrified and changed, 
and he just, you know, set on it. And um, it worked out for his favor. So he has a, a story to tell. He got a lot of gems to give. Um, and it's a great, great conversation to have because a lot of times we speak about being on the wrong side of gentrification um, and not taking advantage of certain things and like getting in when it's too late. Um, but he actually got in before it actually started to change and he saw the whole process and he learned a lot along the way, he created systems for himself and um, just a wealth of information. He also taught a class for us. Yeah. For EYL University. a professor. <laughs> yes, that's a fact. So he taught the class for EYL University and uh, we thought it would be a good idea to bring him on the podcast as well. So first and foremost, thank you for joining us. Appreciate it. Glad to be here, brother. Appreciate you. No, nah, for sure, for sure. So <laughs> let's get into it. Um, let's let's get into it because I, you know, I was listening to your class. Shout out to Jamal. He did a good job of, of hosting it. And um, I know you said that your original goal in real estate was to make $500 a month. Like he was like, if I could just make $500 a month. It's crazy, $500 a month to almost $40, $50 million in real estate. Like it's crazy how life works out. So how do, what, was, what was your original process into getting into real estate? And um, how did you make the transition from just working to actually being a real estate investor? Okay. Um, what made me get into the game? Um, I was just short, you know, like I just didn't have like my nine to five just wasn't cutting it. You know, this was like back in the in the mid to late nineties when, when there was the bottles and, 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 and any, at any minute Diddy could run into the, <laughs> into the spot and you know, saying, buy the bar out and, buy the bar and, out. and, and, and you just sitting there holding your Heineken all night. <laughs> right. And you know, I just didn't want to be that dude. You know, um, I, di I did not want to be that dude. So I was just like, yo, how am I going to do this? You know, I had gotten into a little trouble earlier. Um, ended up spending, you know, like over some dumb shit, like spent a week in Albany, Albany County. And I was just like, yo, I'm not about that life. <laughs> so I learned, I learned, Valuable very, lesson. I, I, I learned very, very early in the game. I'm not about that life, you know, um, being a New York dude. In, in Albany County Jail, it was just like, nah, this ain't, this ain't for me. So I was just like, all right, I can't be in the streets because that, that don't work for me. Um, I, don't, I ain't got no hot 16s, no hot runs. <laughs> and my jump shot is, I wouldn't even say decent. It's, <laughs> it, it, it's all right on a good day. Mediocre at best. Mediocre <laughs> at best. So um, the only thing left for me to do was try, try to find my way in business. You know, so... Um, I was I was working at Verizon at the time, and I was working on my MBA, you know. Um, and I was I was planning on going the whole corporate route, but I was still you know I was still young. I was like in my early twenties, still still hanging out and stuff like that. So I wanted to be in the mix. So um, what I met this dude, this dude in my class. One day we were just chopping it up, and he was a real estate broker, and he was telling me, "Yo, um, if you got if you got good credit, if you got good credit, you could buy a crib." And I was just like, how am I going to do that? Then he, you know, walked me through the whole FHA process and this, that, the other. And that's when I was just like, but I don't, got, I don't have no front money to do it. Mm. So that's when I pulled, um, I pulled money out of um, a student loan. Because mm. although Verizon was paying me, mm. paying me to go to school, but I could still take student loans out. Mm. So I, you know, I took, <laughs> I took like a... I know that hustle. Yeah, <laughs> yeah I took like... I took like a twelve thousand dollar twelve thousand dollar loan, yeah. and I bought a hundred thousand dollar crib for like three percent down, um, 
They'll send you the refund check. Send me the refund check. Yeah, I know that's scam. Exactly. Yeah. It was it was it was FHA. It was FHA, the very first joint. So you took twelve. So how much was it? You said twelve thousand dollar loan. It was a twelve thousand dollar loan. At, at when everything's when everything was um, all said and done, I probably came out my pocket like like ten grand. And what year, what year was this? This was ninety seven. So it was three percent down. Yeah, crib crib was a hundred thousand dollars. So three thousand, and then closing costs, all of that stuff. Closing costs and all the other little things. Cost ten thousand. Yeah. And then okay. And then um then my you know then the next crib came available, um like a, a few months later that was right next door. So I did it again. Where's this at? This was um Southside Queens. Southside. Mm. So Queens is Queens is the the, the origin of your real estate journey. Um, those was the, the the first two cribs I, I ever bought. I bought them in Queens. I didn't I didn't know anything about anything because I, I was actually living in Queens at the time. I was yeah. living in Rosedale, um, so I copped those t- those two cribs and then and then my man put me on to the the refinance hustle. Mm-hmm. Did, so on the so first crib you did the student loan refund. Right. Mm-hmm. Second crib, same thing, or we just took the profits from the first? Um, second crib, same thing. More student loans. Next semester, <laughs> did it again. <laughs> Yo, that's crazy. I remember getting that refund check. It was like if you take out a loan, right, and then if somebody's paying for it, they reimburse you. And I think I, I bought like I bought a, like a pair of Tims and some Jordans. Nah, see, <laughs> I wasn't thinking right. <laughs> and then like I rocked I rocked that same hustle for like two years, where I was um, where now I found out that. If I paid the if I paid it up front, mm-hmm. if I paid the money out of my pocket, um, then I could apply for financial aid, right? I, I I applied for financial aid and then I got that money and then I took the student loans and then I took the receipt of when I paid my money and then I gave it to the job. And then they got reimbursed you. And then they reimbursed me. So it was um <laughs> student loans bought your yeah, homes. Yeah, that's how I got started. Beautiful story. <laughs> you know, that's how I got started. Um, I probably statute of limitations is probably <laughs> <laughs> it's 1997. <laughs> you know, good luck. <laughs> Anybody want to prosecute? <laughs> but that's how I got started. Okay, so all right, so two homes, and you say you got turned to the to the refi game. Got turned on to the refi game. So cribs that I bought for 100 grand, um, now. Now I could refi them because the values were like at 150, like a year later, because I, I bought them below market and stuff like that, and um, so now I got all my cash back plus another, cr- I mean plus more cash. Hmm. So, um, so it's like two years into the game, I was like already 100 grand strong. Came into this 100 <laughs> grand strong, yeah, uh, gotta be exact. <laughs> but I always use that because um, that 100 grand is. Like I had a home equity line of credit. I ended up buying a crib. I ended up buying another crib um, that where me and my boys used to live at. You know, I bought a two-family crib, and then I had um, the mortgage was like two thousand dollars a month. Um, the mortgage was like two thousand dollars a month. I had um, I was renting upstairs for fifteen hundred, and each one of my boys was giving me five hundred. Plus, I was renting the basement for six hundred dollars. Mm. So I was put like I was pretty much living in a party house. And getting like fifteen hundred dollars. He, he's the dude. He's the dude that Nippy, Nips, Nipsey was talking about, right? He was he's like, "Yo, he's the guy who was in school making more than his teachers." <laughs> he's the guy. Yo, but the the thing about that is, um, so it's like a year and a half into the into the game, um, I'm making money on real estate, mm-hmm. trying, you know, working, partying, and also trying to get my MBA at the same time, and um, 
I I'm not taking that I'm not taking that as seriously as as I should because I'm I'm making money. Mm-hmm. So I roll up I roll up to class one day late again, and um, the teacher was, was like, "Hey, Mr. Bernard, if there's some place you'd rather be, why don't you be there?" Right? And I thought about that the whole time. So you know how the teachers give you the, like that break at 45 minutes into the class? Uh-oh. <laughs> um, I left. You know, I left my bag, my books, all of that. I just left. You know, got in the car and bounced, and I didn't officially withdraw or nothing like that. I just, I, I was like, you know what? You're right. If there's some place I'd rather be, I'd rather, I'm going to do that. Words of advice. <laughs> so, so that's, that's when I made the official decision that this was my life. What, what, what school did you go to? St. John's University. Okay. You know, like literally um, my, my bag, all that other stuff. It was just still there. Still there. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Nice. <laughs> So I, all right. So you, so you said I'm, and this was using your master's program. I was trying to get my master's at in, that time. In, MBA. Yeah, trying to get an uh, master's in business administration. I was trying to get um, a a management degree because I was working at Verizon. I was a manager there, so I was trying to go up the corporate ladder. So all right. So at that point, you quit the job. I mean, you quit school, and um, you have two properties. You say I got. By that time, I had like four properties. Four properties. Yeah. And then, all right. So now you're just doing real estate full time at this point. No, nah, I'm, I'm still at I'm still at Verizon. Okay. Still doing my thing at Verizon. Um, but, you know, to tell the truth, I had to take a step back because I was gambling at the time too. Mm. Mm. You know, like, um, I got this this thing right here. It says never again twelve thirteen oh four. You know, because I was gambling heavy. So I ended up those first two cribs. Those first two cribs that I had, I had to sell them to to, to pay gambling debts. But what, what, what was you? What was your sports or blackjack? Uh, I was doing blackjack. I was doing c- and, and dice games. People <laughs> don't realize that gambling is an addiction. I know a few people that mm-hmm. have <laughs> lost their families, lost home, lost their freedom yep. because of gambling. It's not something that's talked about enough. Yeah. Um, we talk about drug addiction a lot, alcoholism, um, but millions of Americans, people all over the world, suffer from gambling. Um, can you talk about that a little bit? And, and first of all, you're right. It is an addiction. And I, rem- I, re- I didn't even respect it as an, addic- an, an addiction. I was just like looking at it. It's just something that something I did. And I, w- I, I was good. I was making money when I was making money. But when I was losing, I was losing money, big money, mm. you know. And um, I had tried, I had tried like Gamblers Anonymous and all that other stuff. And I remember going to a Gamblers Anonymous meeting and looking at these dudes telling these stories. I was like, damn, yeah, that's a bunch of losers. Mm. <laughs> you know, I'm not y'all, mm-hmm. you know. But meanwhile, meanwhile, I, I'm like going going to Vegas and losing like 60 grand a pop, mm. going, to dice ga- go, going to dice games, losing like 15, 15 20 grand. Yo, tr- funniest story ever. Not true, really a funny story, but... I was um, the Lennox Lounge, back in the days. In Harlem. In Harlem. Harlem. One day I found myself um, in the back room at the Lennox Lounge. My man took me in there, and I had the, there was a dice game going on, and I went down there. CeeLo? CeeLo. Four, five, six. Exactly. <laughs> so I went down there, and um, you know I was with my man. Just went out there and I humble. We we didn't go there for that, but we found ourselves back there, and um, next to, I was hot. You know, and I didn't know anybody in that room, mm. right? And um, next thing you know, I'm like rolling, 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 and I'm, I'm like, I'm up three grand, I'm up five grand, I'm up ten grand. My man leaves because he, he's like, yo, I gotta go. I was just like, nah, I'm, I'm hot, I'm good, I'm staying, mm. right? Next thing you know, I'm, 
I'm up like 15 grand and I'm looking around the room. I don't know nobody in there mm. and ain't nobody smiling. Mm, yeah. <laughs> right? Welcome to New York. <laughs> right? So, so then I was just like, all right, cool. Um, so dudes start making bets. I got three grand on this. I was like, yo, put your money on the floor. It's like, nah, I'm good for it. Uh, <laughs> and I thought they deuce was live and I hit them with trips. Then they right. reached out for their money, Paul. Forget yeah, about bro. this. Nah, nah, that, that's not how it went at all. <laughs> that's not how at all. So dudes was just in there ass betting. Mm. Like, because they knew I was by myself. Yeah. What are you going to do? <laughs> what am I going to do? So, <laughs> so I basically had to give every dollar back to walk out of there. <laughs> so yeah. you knew that they was ass betting. Anybody's not familiar, that's when somebody's betting with no intentions of actually paying. Mm -hmm what they're betting. Um, so psychologically, you knew you had a decision to make. <laughs> yeah. Either you call their bluff and like, okay, I'm leaving. You know that they're not going to pay you. You're in Harlem. You're from Queens? Um, from Brooklyn, but living in Queens. Long way from home. And th this is 1990-something um, Harlem. Not, Dangerous. No, not, no, no, not, no. not gentrified. No, 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 no different no, Harlem. No that's a, that's no, a different Harlem. No, no, no. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. No so, hopefuls, no Magic so, Johnson so psychologically, theory, yeah. you was like, to just keep it respectful, I'll lose the money. I'll play until I just lose exactly. enough. So I don't just have to make this an awkward situation. I could just, exactly. at least I could just not get I, killed out here. Exactly. I could, I could front. Like, like I had, like, like I made a decision. No, nah, that's 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 a yeah, wise that's very wise move. move. That's a smart move. That's a move. calculated decision. <laughs> that's a calculate. You calculated it very well. You know, but it's the same calculated decisions that you make every day in real estate. You know what I'm saying? Um, like all the time, it's like, do I do I take this L right here, um, and live to fight another day, or do I keep going? <laughs> mm. So, so at what point do you do you really hit your your stride in real estate and and kind of like hit it out the park. So, um, the cr again, I always say I came into this game 100 grand strong. Um, I had a crib in Rosedale, the, the, the crib where I lived with my boys. Queens. Exactly. So I pulled 100 grand out of that. And, um, you know, like whenever cats get some, some real dough, what they want to do? They want to... Um, Open a bar. <laughs> <laughs> a record label. I thought you were going to say uh, record yeah, I, That was my first. I <laughs> thought barbershop. A barbershop, <laughs> record label, <laughs> laundromat, <laughs> the sneaker store. Yeah. So I, I, was trying to open, I was trying to open up a, um, a bar um, in downtown Brooklyn. Hmm. Right? So I met this real estate broker, and he, um, he basically was like showing me around. And then I told him, you know, I let him know how much money I was holding. And he, he basically was like, yo, um, I have an opportunity for you. So he brought me to this crib in Clinton Hills, hmm. right? Jersey. Uh, no, no Clinton, oh, Brooklyn. Oh, Brooklyn? Clinton Hills, Brooklyn. Brooklyn. Um, and um, I ended up buying a brownstone for like $400,000, you know, um, you know, 10% down, 10% down, 40 grand. Um, so I copped that joint and I ended up copping the joint next to it um, like three or four months later um, with, with the rest of that money, mm -hmm. right? So... Those two cribs, I bought one for four hundred, then I bought the other one for four forty, um, and this was like two thousand three, so this was right before things started to pop. Mm -hmm. So within a couple, within a couple of, I would say um, every every month, like the the values were going up like a hundred grand, hundred fifty grand, two hundred grand, up until like two two thousand six, two thousand seven. So by two thousand six, those same cribs that I bought for four hundred grand, four hundred grand. 
turned um, were worth almost eight eight hundred nine hundred thousand dollars. Yeah, and you just get are you getting rental income from them, or yeah. some of you flipping? What, no, what, no, what? I, didn't, I, I didn't get into fl- I didn't get into the flipping. Okay, game so yet. we just rental income right now. Yeah, this is straight rental. So, okay. and I still owe them credits now. Okay, you know, so um, I was taking you know taking home equity lines of credits out and just buying more and and you know balling out you know so so now this is like 2006 2000 2006 2007 you know that's when i bought the big crib in jersey you know of course gotta do that (laughs) you know you know interesting thing about clinton hills you know an interesting historical um hip-hop fact so the late great christopher wallace um you know a lot of people think he's from bed Stuy. st james he said um the lavas weren't from bedford stuyvesant but his actual house um is on a borderline, and technically, it's in Clinton Hills. Yeah, it's, it's not even it's not even on the borderline because it's safe. <laughs> I it's, try to give him the benefit. Though. Yeah, rest in peace, big. Because you got Clinton six, Hills, you don't stop. You got he's like six blocks from Bed Stuy. Yeah, <laughs> little known fact. Exactly. So, and um, the New York Post did a did a story because you know he said his his um his mom had the one. It's not it's not it was never a one room shack. Not sure why he said that, but it's a um. <laughs> That same apartment right now is, rent, is renting for four thousand dollars a month. Yeah. yeah, and the New York Post did a, did a story about it because it's like you know he that became so synonymous because when he came out with that song, Juicy, Juicy, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. When he was talking about it, he he literally chronicled that apartment, and that apartment today is literally I think it was like forty two. It might be like forty two hundred dollars a month for that same apartment that he used to live in back in the nineties. So it's so, crazy. So. I'm, I'm going to take you back to a, a true story back on Biggie's block, right? So this is like 2000, 2002, 2003. Um, again, um, I'm on the corner of St. James and, and Fulton. Mm-hmm. You know, that little triangle over there. The Saint, I don't know if, if anybody ever saw that, um, like that... That freestyle Biggie was doing, yeah, uh, yeah, in front of the corner store, yeah, yeah, yeah. when they had the crates out, exactly, with the, with, yeah. the, with, the, with the Tims on, with the, yeah. with the shorts, they put and, it in juicy too. They was and, doing the pull ups on it, exactly. Yeah. So I'm I'm on that corner. Mm. This is before I bought the cribs in Brooklyn. Mm. I'm on that corner, um, rolling dice, because <laughs> that's what I do. <laughs> dice shooter. <laughs> so we we out there, we rolling dice, heavy. Like there's like. At, at least twenty dudes out there, all thugs, you know. Like, and I was comfortable out there because this is Brooklyn. Oh, so. oh, Brooklyn. <laughs> exactly. I'm I'm comfortable out there. They say, they say, you know what I'm saying? Not hollow. Exactly. <laughs> so, so I'm out there rolling dice, heavy, and there's a cipher. You know, what I'm saying there's like 20, 20 dudes all in a circle, and and dudes are smoking blunts, and 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 forty ounces, old old E and Saint Ives, and <laughs> one set, one set. Uh, for the people that are under twenty five, a forty ounce is an alcoholic beverage. <laughs> so, <laughs> that, that will give you cancer, <laughs> right? So we're we're in this cipher, like, and um, what happens was, what happened was, um, the dice are on the floor. Right, and right in the middle, here comes this this um, white girl who's jogging with her headphones on, who runs right through the cipher, kicks the dice, mm. and and keeps it moving. No remorse. <laughs> and and what what happened was what I looked around was that nobody said anything, but everybody nobody believed what just happened. Yeah, and that's when I knew that. 
this was her neighborhood now, and these mm. were the outliers. That's crazy. Mm. Right? The That's dice crazy. game changed your life. Yo, That's crazy. On a positive. On a positive <laughs> side now. That's exactly. Because I, I looked at it, I looked at it, and it was just like, yo, she just kept it moving, like no fear in her heart, no nothing, and the dude, and nobody say nothing to her. Whose role was it? Yours? <laughs> <Nah>. <laughs> but um, that's when I knew. That's when I. That's when I started looking at that area a little differently. Mm -hmm. You know, um, that's when. That's when things changed for me over there. That's when. Um, you know, I got. Um, I got this. This philosophy, right? That the, the only way you make money is when you're able to see things that other people can't see. So when you see opportunities that other people can't see, right? Um, and the other thing I always say is like when you do things that other people are not willing to do, right? So um, at that little dice game, it opened my eyes and I was able to see something, you know what I'm saying? I was able to see um, change coming. You know, it's just like like very early in those days, like um, I, never, I never did a um, marketing analysis you know, to, to check the, to check the, dem the, the demographic, to see what people were mm -hmm. making and, and, and what, what, you know, the money was like in the neighborhood and what was coming. Right. So what I used to do, um, a poor man's marketing analysis, which is, I would just look to see what, what businesses was coming in the neighborhood. Right. So like if I saw, if I saw a Starbucks mm. opening up, I was just like, yo, I need to be around here. Because like it's, it was like copying somebody else's homework. Because yeah. you know they did their marketing analysis. Yeah. So if they if they felt comfortable enough coming into this neighborhood, then I should feel comfortable enough to start investing in this neighborhood. Exactly. So when I saw, um, like I, I initially I initially um, like you're familiar with Brooklyn. Mm -hmm. So it, it basically like the big money was Fort Greene, then um, then the next big money was Clinton Hills, and then the next big money was Bed-Stuy, mm -hmm. right? So um, I got in, I got in on, on the Clinton Hill side, mm -hmm. like when it, you know, when it was still a little, there's still a little bit money to be made, right? So when I saw, when I saw like, um, like these coffee shops and, and the, the tea store that's on Biggie's block now. Mm. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? There's, on the corner of his block, there's a tea store. No more, no more bodega. The no. crazy <laughs> thing is, like, people, like, they, the New York Post, it's a great article for anybody if they want to read it, and they was interviewing, um, like, the neighbors. It's like it's like all hipsters and tech people, and they're like, yo, it's hard to even imagine those lyrics that he rapped about now, like, on his block. Like, it was, it would be hard to, to imagine that. Like, this is so far. And I remember even, like, Fort Greene, like, when I was young, because, like, when I was young, I used to play basketball and, you know, going to, like, Gauchos and Riverside and all the guys from Brooklyn and meet guys from Fort Greene. And um, that's the first time I ever heard about Fort Greene. And it was different. <laughs> like, you know what I'm saying? But you know, you know who don't get no love for being on that block? Who's that? Um, who? Do you know who else was on that block? I don't. Um, St. James between Gates and Green. Chubrock. Chub Rock. Oh, shout out to Chub Rock. Legendary. <laughs> Legend. Yeah. Legend. Most people That's where he's from? That's his block, right across the street from yeah. Big. Got overshadowed. Yeah. It's a big shadow. Big is a big shadow. Exactly. Chub Rock. Another wow. big man that could rap. Yeah, that's, that's a fact. Rock. That's a fact. Chub Rock. Legend. Yeah, I think that's the first time I heard Nas when he was on, like, back in the grill again. I think Chub Rock was on the record. I was like, who's this guy? Talking about he waving automatic guns at nuns. Yeah. <laughs> Chub like, Rock. So, all right. So, you see the gentrification taking place. You have the um, 
the moment in the dice game where it's like, and that's a good point that you bring up too, because it's like, it's unfortunate, but I, nobody should have crime brought upon them. Nobody. But like you see in neighborhoods, like we'll commit crime against each other all day. Well, you never commit crime against anybody that doesn't look like us. Even Nipsey Hussle said that, like we program to actually go and train to hunt and, and do violence and disrespect people that look similar to you. But when you see somebody that looks opposite to you, you're not even going to play around with that because you're scared, really, like mm-hmm. of repercussions that come with that. Yeah, the consequences. Yeah, serious consequences. Mm-hmm. So you saw that happening in your brain, so you're like, all right, did you want to just double down? Like, now I got to actually really double down on my investment strategy and buy these properties before it's too late? It, you know, I... It, it'd be very easy for me to tell you right now that, yo, I had this master plan, right? <laughs> and I saw that and this is how I was going to execute and this is the plan and this was the roadmap that got, nah, son. You know? Just happened. It, it's happening. You're, 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 you know, like, that's the beauty of, like, um, when people come on these podcasts, right? Um, everybody, chrono, you know, wants to chronologically, chrono, chronolog- I can't say the word. Chronologically. Chronologically define everything that they did right, but nobody highlights all the mistakes and the dumb shit that they did. And, all, you know what I'm saying? Like, a lot of mistakes were made. Um, like, it worked out. At, at some point, I saw it. You know, like, in the last 10 years, I, I've, you know, it's been crystal clear. But I was still trying to figure it out, still trying to... What's some of the mistakes that you made? Because you're right, people can learn. Just like they learn from information, they can also learn from mistakes. What's some of the biggest mistakes that you made? Um, a lot of the cribs that I sold. Mm. Too early? I sold them too early. Um, like 184. Oh, you still got the address in your head. 184. <laughs> 184 Madison, right? Um, so 184, no, 184B Madison... Um, I bought that crib for like $400,000 when it was worth $700,000 and I sold it. I sold it for, um, $900,000 in a, in a few months. And I, at that time I thought I was like the smartest dude in the world, you know, cause I copped that joint and I, I, there's a story behind that joint too. Is that the one with the Nate, with the, the, you brought it because somebody else wanted it? Exactly. Can you tell mm. that story? I think that's good. That's a good strategy. I was listening to that. Can you tell that story? All right. Um, so I had gotten a phone call about, uh, about that one particular property, right? That one particular property. Um, but you know, in, just like any other game, just like you know what other, you know what I'm saying, what other podcasts are doing and who, who the players are and, and, and what their targets are. So I knew for a fact that um, there was a Hasidic dude who owned the two buildings opposite of that building, hmm. right? So um, I got the phone call on that one, just just random, somebody who knew, you know, somebody, somebody who knew who knew um, somebody's auntie or this, that, the other, blah, blah, blah. I got the phone call. So I got, I was able to, to buy that crib that was worth $700,000 for, for $400,000. So I bought that crib with no intention of doing anything to, um, with it except to extort the, the guy who owned the other two. The other two. Because he wanted the whole block. Because he wanted, a, plus it just gives him power, you know, mm-hmm. like to have, it's monopoly. You get yeah. three in a row. You know, like I'm still chasing three in a row. Like yeah. I've got, you know, I got a couple of joints where I got, you know, two in a row. After four, you get the hotel. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> so um, I basically used 
you know, I had no, I had no desire for that building. It, it was not um, within the confine. You know, it's not. It wasn't where I was working at the time. But I got it. Didn't do any work to it, and um, held it. And him and I just went back and forth for a few months until he gave me, you know, he gave me the the nine hundred grand. And the thing is, it's not. It might seem as if I turned um, four hundred into nine hundred thousand dollars. That's not really the case. Um, I, I really turned um, a hundred thousand dollars mm-hmm. into um, into five hundred thousand dollars in a, in a few months because although the crib was 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 four hundred thousand, I came out of my pocket twenty percent down, which was eighty thousand plus closing costs, which was you know hundred thousand hundred hundred thousand, which I put that put that down, but then I sold it for nine. Yeah. So, so you know that five hundred thousand dollar profit was made with a hundred thousand dollars. So that is like one of, you know, like the best G moves I've, you know, like percentage wise, percentage wise, that's like one of the best percentage in time was probably one of the best G moves I've I've made, you know, better than Tesla. (laughs) Better than Tesla. I like, so when I heard you speaking about that, it was like, there's, do you have some reasons to buy? Obviously cash flow was what you were doing, equity. So that was your chess move. Yeah. That was your chess move. Then you said there's some portfolio fits. One thing I, I found very interesting, it was like, Obviously, 2007 affected the the real estate game like no other in our our generation. Yeah. But you kept all your properties um, by hook and by crook. <laughs> like, how, like how did that happen? So, um, first of all, like I literally, I literally lost everything. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, so, like 2006, I was like a hood billionaire. You know, like I ha- I was I had a net worth of three million dollars. You know, three million dollars is like a billion dollars. No, you're a billionaire. It's a fact. Yeah, very close to a billion. <laughs> right. So, um, but like when every you know, I was over leveraged. I was spending. You know, I was in. I, I was in. Um, I was in in the clubs. You know, four thousand dollar nights, like maybe two three times a month. <laughs> you know, fifteen hundred dollar nights, more than that. What mm-hmm. clubs were you frequenting at this time? Oh, man. <laughs> So many, man. From Club Cheetah to Club Amnesia. <laughs> all, all of that, yo. All of that. Nice, um, nice. Um, all, the, all the, I don't know. If, I ain't gonna ask you how old, but you, I guess all the Black Diamond parties back in the day, and and um, China Club. China Club. We've um, been there a few times. Um, what was I was going to clubs when I was a little kid, like 12 yeah. years old. My brother was a promoter, <laughs> and I had a fake ID, and I always looked older than I was. <laughs> so I remember these clubs, like, all of the all of the clubs when I was like twelve years old, but that might have I like speed. I was doing all these all these yeah. clubs. March twenty one twelve. All these clubs. Yeah. yeah, I was there spending money. Okay. You know, like I, just just getting caught up. You know what I'm saying? You were the guy we were watching with our cups. <laughs> yeah, and, and just like just like when I, you know, exactly. a few years later, I was watching Puff with with my cup. Yeah, yeah, you know, right, right. Night. So it was just like the same way that promote. You know made me want to go out and do more. Hopefully, you know, other people did that as well. But anyway, I lost everything by like 2000, 2008, mm-hmm. right? Um, and I had a whole bunch of cribs um, and every last one of them was just like underwater because I had pulled too much cash out. You know, I had, I had this big house in Jersey that I was paying like seven grand a month for. Um, uh, think I had like a, a paying a thousand dollars for a, I had a, a drop six lease you know just everything 
you know start a kid yep. um and um yeah the dough dough was what do you, you know before before we had instagram models we had um the case lay models um in those magazines yeah yeah so I had a couple straight of straight stunting magazines. Exactly. So I had um I had a couple of those on the payroll. <laughs> so yep. li- literally lost, you know what I'm saying? Literally payroll. Yeah. <laughs> Don't let that go over your head. <laughs> so <laughs> a couple. Exactly. So two or three. Uh, so after that, um I woke up one day and I was just like, yo, um I, I went from positive three million to like negative a million. Mm. When I did the math, you know, and I, I remember just being in my crib waiting, waiting to have them come, you know, like I got all the foreclosure notices and stuff like that. Um, and that's when I, I basically got on, grunt, you know, like grunt, I, had, I had like um, probably like 40 or 50 thousand dollars in cash left. And that's when I, I got on my grind. And I, I really think that I worked for like for like the next two, three years without a day off mm. <laughs> you know like I was doing everything um, I I had stopped gambling by then mm-hmm. um, I had opened this thing called law 676 it was a it was a, a studio like um, and I used to rent that out and actually there would be there would be no Brooklyn Bank without law 676 because I was you know having parties in there and stuff like that and so like I, an event space it was an event space okay so um, I did that um, for a while, um, I ended up going to going to India, getting a hair connect, and and I started a uh, a hair company. Like weaves? Yeah. What? Yeah. Like um, I had the number three. I had the number three um, hair Indian hair company in New York City for like mm-hmm. a year or two. Little known fact. Yeah. <laughs> Select strands. Select strands. Exactly. Huh. So I was doing that. Um, I was, uh, I had a, I had a card game going, <laughs> you know, I had a card, I had, even though I wasn't gambling, but yeah. I knew, I knew degenerate gamblers, so, <laughs> so I was just like, yo, I had this card game going, um, <laughs> you know. Call the old folks, uh, <laughs> yo, my, yo, what's up, yeah, yeah, I'm about to run this game, y'all, nah, I ain't playing, just bring your money. Exactly. Okay. So exactly. you just, so you just had to do what you had to do to just get e- back. Yeah. Exactly. And you kept them all. You kept the, all but the you, But you were able to keep your properties by doing all these side hustles. All these sides, 24 hours a day. I, I was, um, I was Airbnb in my crib. This is the early stages. Yeah. yeah. Air, that's when it was called Home Away and, mm. and, and VRBO, you know, all that other stuff. Um, so I was doing that, you know, like letting people stay in my crib for like $500 a night while I was sleeping on, on a friend's couch. You know, you gotta do what you gotta do. Just did what I had to do, and then you survive. Let me ask you this: as far as the HELOC, let's bring it back. Um, you spoke about the HELOC, and we talked about HELOCs before a little bit. But you want to talk about HELOCs a little bit, like the benefits of it, and maybe like some things that people may be aware of. There's a uh, home equity line of credit, right? Yeah. Different from a refi. Yeah. Nah. So, so basically, you take a HELOC when you have some equity in the property. And it's it's either a secondary lien or it could be a primary lien, depending on how much um, on how much equity you have. And it's like it's basically like a, a credit card or, or um, a checking account on your crib. So you're not paying interest when you're not paying interest when you don't owe them any money. But um, when you take the money out, 
you're paying interest on it. Mm -hmm. So it's like, um, so let's say you have a crib and it's worth a million and, um, and you have half, half a million on your mortgage, right? And so now you could take up to 80% on the HELOC. So that's $300,000 a home equity line of credit. Mm -hmm. So, so you, you, you have a lien on your property for 300,000 on, on that HELOC. But, um, unless you're using it, unless you're using the whole thing, you don't have to pay. You don't have and, to pay. and that's the good thing as far from my understanding, correct me if I'm wrong. Um, as far as like with the refi, it's essentially like a second mortgage on your home. Exactly. Right? And you, you have to pay the interest no matter what interest uh, and principal interest and principal no matter what, but you get the money where the home equity line of credit, you take the money out as you need it, as you need it. Exactly. It's just available to you. Exactly. So are the interest rates higher? Um, the interest rates are typically around what, 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 um, the regular, regular thing is what, what you normally save on is the closing costs. Cause there's typically no, right, right. when you refi. Exactly. Okay. So, uh, with the, with the home equity line of credit, you always got to just do the math on, all right, I'm going to be paying this much interest on it. I'm going to be paying this much interest on it. Um, and, and if I, if I, if I make a decision, it has to cover this interest plus make me more. You know, like um, earlier this year, I took out, I, I banged out all my, um, I, I banged out all my um, HELOCs because I didn't want them to um, cancel it when cancel. you couldn't get it. That's something that, yeah, I'm about. MG, um, Matt has said that before. He said that before COVID. He was like, yo, y'all, he's like, um, you know, yeah, take it out. Yeah, because it's like monopoly money. Like if the value of your home goes down, and that's going to affect your refi and your um your HELOC. So it's like he said that like we COVID, you never know. They can just it's not like it's guaranteed. Yeah, yeah. they can cancel it. So it's but like it's, you don't need to use it. You don't have to use it, but at least you have it locked in. And then if you need to use it, it's available. That, to you. that literally happened. I went to the bank in January because I was going to refi, and I hit Matt up. I'm like, yo, run me some numbers from the refi, and I'll run me some numbers for the HELOC. And I went back to the bank in March. He like wasn't available anymore. Yeah, I was like, oh damn. So so back in March, I, t I had like a, a million and change in HELOCs, and I pulled it all out because I was just scared. Yeah. Like I d I didn't want to wake up one day because that happened to me back in two thousand seven, where I woke up one day and my HELOC, all my HELOCs were gone. So I I, I took this cash out, but I just I didn't want to just sit with it in the bank. So I ended up putting it in the market at that time, <laughs> when the market was at its lowest. In March. In March. You put a million dollars in the market? Yeah. And what, what stock did you put it in? Um, Amazon, Tesla. Um, Apple? Nah. Amazon, Tesla, this um, VGT. Which VGT. Is, yeah, yeah, VGT. Yeah, yeah. That's yep. a good one. That's solid. We talk about that a lot. Yeah. That's a solid one. Um, VFIAX, which is a Vanguard. Which is a Vanguard. Um, ETF, I think. ETS. Um, Yin, which is a Chinese... Which is a Chinese one, Y I double N. That one ain't making no real money. Um, and I put in Baba. Ali, Ali Ali Baba. Yeah, I ain't make no real money on that. Like, um, cause I I got that in about two hundred and it's like at two fifty now. Right. But, but that Tesla's a little different. Yeah, that Tesla <laughs> that Tesla hit a little different. So you so you so I right, this is this is important for people to understand because it's like you always got a plan. For a worst case scenario, so when you saw them, you like, all right, COVID's hitting, this is about to get crazy. Don't panic. Let me let me gather as much Cash, money liquidity. as I po money as I possibly can out of my houses before they shut this HELOC thing down. You get a million dollars. You say, okay, stock market crashed, literally it crashed. And probably a good time to put money in the market. It might be a bottom. 
you put it in at a low point, it skyrockets over the next couple of months. What did that million turn into? He said my CPA might be, <laughs> might advise me not to. I, I mean, we. Nice, well, how about nice. this? How about this? How about this? Not what it turned into. <laughs> how, did you allocate the million equally throughout those uh, assets? No. Or you just dump like, yeah, I'm putting a hundred thousand yeah. in Tesla. No, Tesla, Tesla. I'm mad at Tesla because I only put, I only put like, I think like fifty grand in Tesla. Okay. You know, like, and I had put, I put like um, half a mil. I had put like half a mil in um, Amazon. Amazon. Oof. Right. And Ooh. that that one did well. That did great, but that I'm just well, I'm but, running the numbers for if yeah. that half a million would have been in Tesla. Yeah. After no, it ran I, up to like fourteen hundred, then split. I know. I know. <laughs> I know, <laughs> <laughs> but, but you know, but uh, what, you can know you, what can you do? I mean, of, no, part, you made money. Part of the game, part of the game that I've that I've learned is you know you got to keep looking forward yeah, to the true. next thing, and and you know like there's always opportunities, and you'll never you'll never ever get all of them. Can't. It's impossible. Nah, exactly. No. Yeah. Like you you know there's a you got a handful. You know what I'm saying? And and you you know to pick something up, you always have to you know let something go to pick something up. So you're hoping that what you're picking up is greater than what you're letting go. And you you leverage a lot of times people say like which one is it better, real estate stocks? But you leverage both. You could do both. You could you leverage your real estate to put money in stocks. Yeah. And then you could take the money out of stocks and buy more real estate. And it's like it's a combination. It's a one-two punch. It's not like only do real estate. Yeah, it's not one or the other. Only do stocks. And that's a perfect example. You leverage money in real estate, put it in the stock market, made a bunch of money in the stock market, and then you know. Yeah. So um, like things kind of cooled off. Like Amazon has cooled off. Like um, yeah. I've been, I've been waiting. I'm just like, yo, come on, come on, four thousand, come <laughs> on, four thousand. Got the dice rolling. Back, <laughs> back to the dice game. Yeah. So, <laughs> Old habits die hard. Exactly. But we stuck at that thirty-two, yo. Like we've been stuck at yeah, that thirty-two. It, I mean, for like this, three months. This is the season, though. This is the season yeah. for for Amazon. So you know, sit tight on that. So let's let's talk about um, SR. Oh, SROs. Yeah, yeah. I, I was actually going there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. SROs, because you got an interesting story about that. What is an SRO, first and foremost? Single room occupancy um, in New York City, um, where it's a class B apartment. So it's not it's not like a class A apartment. Like um, there's a lot of rules and regulations um, that the city, the city pretty much comes down and tells you what you can do, what you can't do. Um, the HPD, house, the, the um, Housing Preservation Department, tells you all the things you can and can't do with your SRO. Um, it initially, the, the SRO program was initially a program for for like the the um, the dudes who came back from war. Okay. So mm. they could so they could have a, a safe place to stay and stuff like that. And and um, over the years, you know, like you know, the city's is mad late to always change these old things. So all these old rules still apply. Mm. So the the class A in what SRO the difference? What what are some of the differences? Is it like it has to have a full bathroom or a half bathroom? What are, well, what are some of the differences? A, well, an apartment an apartment you need a bedroom and, and bathroom and a kitchen. Okay. In a class A apartment, mm -hmm. in a in, in an SRO uh, you need a you, you need a bedroom and you need access to a bathroom and access to a kitchen. Okay. You know what I'm saying? Okay. So you don't you don't necessarily have to have uh, have your your bathroom and your kitchen in your unit. 
So it, uh, this, this feels like almost like college dormish. Exactly. Okay. So it's like we could have the qu- we could have a quad with bedrooms yeah. and a, a shared uh, exactly. bathroom, shared exactly. kitchen. Exactly. Single room occupancy. Okay. Gotcha. So um, and the thing about it, so now over the last few um, over the last decade, you know, like when when the market has gone crazy and 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 um, you know the values of these brownstones and buildings and stuff like that. Um, skyrocketed the the city has put things into place to protect to protect the people protect the tenants because we live in a blue state mm-hmm. you know um out out in texas california i mean texas arizona and stuff like that florida arizona's blue now oh <laughs> all right <laughs> but typically all the red states yeah um you don't pay your rent gotta go yeah right but you know new york it's not it's not that type of place not that type of party and so there's a lot of laws that protect them so um, one of the things that protects SROs right now is um, something that they call certificate of non-harassment whereas if if you before before you can convert an SRO into a class A apartment or into a house or anything like that um, you have to get a certificate of non-harassment where you know HPD does an investigation to find out if the tenants were harassed on their way out or, or anything mm. like that. And if that's if that's the case, if that's the case, you're pretty much stuck. Um, you're pretty much stuck because um, they'll they'll put like a three year a three year penalty on you before you could apply again. Mm. So 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 I purchased a, I purchased an SRO. And a building, right? Yeah, okay. I, I purchased an SRO, and the um, the tenants, you know, thought that they were doing the this the um, seller dirty by telling HPD that they were harassed, and seller don't care. Seller got their money, so they put that three year, you know, that three year um, ban on me. Oh, so. I basically paid this. No, I, I paid a million plus for a brownstone, and I can't do anything with it. I couldn't do anything with it for three years, so I'm just sitting on this thing, um, paying hard money on it, um, paying hard money on it um, until September of 2021. That's when you could maybe do renovations to yeah, it. I could renovate it, flip it, what, do whatever. Is it is it going to be more lucrative? Because uh, I'm thinking uh, less. I mean, I'm sure there's like a square footage requirement that needs it, that they need to have for the SRO. And so I'm thinking, like maybe an apartment that you could get twelve hundred for, right? I can't do any, like I can't bring more people in because if I if I bring people in to rent it now, yeah. I, I'm risking. I'm saying in twenty two. Yeah, but but um, I don't like where the money's at in New York City right now is getting these brownstones and converting them into um, luxury, you know, luxury um, townhomes where where you know people could. People spend big money on them, okay. so, so I could turn around and sell it for three and a half, four million dollars. Yeah, so you're not really looking for the rental income of nah, more units. Nah. You're looking for the like, yo, somebody's coming in to buy this for one point one. Exactly. Okay. Well, no, somebody's coming to buy. Somebody's coming to buy this for four million. Four million. I'm sorry. Exactly. What was I talking about? One point one. No, one, <laughs> no, one point one is what I paid for yeah. it. So now I'm sitting here and and I'm paying, you know, um, like ten ten grand a month, ten grand a month on on a property that I can't do nothing with. You know, but it's a it's a you know it's a it's a decision that I'm, that I'm making. I'm saying, all right, I'm pay, I'm losing ten grand a month, um, but 
I'm losing 10 grand a month, but I know um, when when the time comes, I'll be able to sell this for four mil. So it's just another version of your chess move. Exactly. Right? But it's also, you, you said the tax is a tax loss. Well, yeah. So so now I'm paying interest. So um, that's 120 grand in interest that I'm paying every every year. So if I sell a property, if I if I sold a property, or or if if I if I sold if I sold my um, Amazon stock. So b b instead of paying capital gains on X, it'll be X minus one twenty thousand. So because you're taking loss and you're depreciating the asset, exactly because you're losing money on it. I'm losing money on I'm I'm losing money on this end. Well, not even losing money. You're, um, it's a business expense. So you, you know you're you're taking your deduction from your business expense, and um, so that brings that brings your taxable income down, which it's what keeps what keeps money in your pocket. So mm -hmm. in in the real estate game, you you wear many hats. Yes. Um, and that obviously has happened over time, exactly. right? So your initial one was you're the landlord. Yes. But at some point, you decide to become the developer, then you become the broker, and then you also become the contractor. Yeah. What was that process? What and led I to you? Um, and at one part, I was a mortgage broker like your man Matt. <laughs> Shout out to MG. <laughs> so what what was the the thought process that inspired you to say, you know what, I can do this, I can do this, let me do this too. Um, just just trying to keep as much money in house as possible, you know. Like once you get the team together, um, you get the team and, and everybody's working, you know, for the common goal. Um, it, it doesn't make it doesn't make sense to um, to pay somebody to do something that you can do yourself. It's it's cheaper, mm -hmm. you know. And and the more people you the more people you interact with and you connect with on different levels, the more opportunity that come come about so and it also gives me um, a better way to look at every opportunity because now when I when I come to you like when I, when an opportunity presents itself am I am I gonna try to am I gonna try to sell this for you or am I gonna try to buy it for myself am I gonna sell it for you as a broker mm -hmm. am I going to um, try to, to buy it buy for myself as a developer Am I going to say, hey, um, I, I, t I tell you what, you could buy it, but I'll be the contractor for you. You know, I could bring it to you and say, yo, I got this great, this great opportunity for you. Um, you should buy this building and let me fix it. Mm. You know, so it's just different, you know, like different ways to make money. So every time you saw another position, it was like, cut the middleman, cut the middleman, cut the middleman. And it's more opportunities. And more opportunities. More opportunities and, and like each each hat that I wear, I have a whole network in. So I'm talking to people, and I'm I'm you know um, that's where the opportunities come from, you know. Like in in the last twenty something years, I could probably you know I've done a hundred million dollars in transactions, and I could probably tell you that only two times that I've ever purchased something that didn't come come from a direct connect. Mm. You know, like somebody called me and said, "Hey Jude, I got a deal for you." You know. Um, Wait for my pitch. Hmm. That that's my that's my line. You know, I always wait for my pitch. Like if if it's on Street Easy, if it's on if it's on the MLS and stuff like that, and everybody else could see it, it ain't my deal. So at this point, are most of your deals? What kind of financing are you using? Cash or are you doing traditional financing, hard money? How how are you financing your deals? Whatever makes sense. You know, like if if it's a like, you, I always do the math. Right, so um, if it makes if it makes sense for me to use cash, I'll use cash. 
if there's enough if there's enough meat on it where um, I can can um, use hard money, I'll, I'll use hard money. You know, if I if if time is not a big deal, and I could go get traditional financing, and it'll you know like this is a house that's gonna appraise and and there's a kitchen and a bath and and all that other stuff and and I could go to a you know to go to Chase or somebody like that. I'll I'll do that. I'll, those are those are my favorites, you know. But most of the time, when there's deals and opportunities, um, there's there's usually a reason why you're getting a deal and opportunity. And and nine out of ten times is that that it's it's a deal because um, traditional financing won't do it. Mm. So um, you're either stuck. You have a decision to make. You're either going to use hard money guy or you're going to use your cash, or um, or a mixture. What I like to do is I like to take investors um, where, where um, let's say the hard money the hard money guy is giving me eighty percent, eighty percent, and I'll take a couple of investors that that give me that give me the give me the twenty percent. So I'm literally just coming out of my pocket, nothing, just you know everything is all sweat equity. Mm-hmm. So. So yeah, uh, Rick Ross is, is famous for having three C's, right? Color, cut, clarity. That's that's his thing. But you have an interesting uh, analogy for your four C's and real estate and why they're important. Um, can you go over it? So you had uh, credit, collateral, connects, and character. Why are they all important? Credit. You know, like um, like if the banks if the, if the banks ain't messing with you, you're dead in the water. Mm-hmm. You know, like you need that money. You know, you need your credit. Um, it's like one of your most valuable assets. You know, um, you're able to leverage, right? Mm-hmm. Collateral. You need either cash or something. You need you need to be able to prove that you have a track record. You have you have skin in the game. You know, like um, I had lost I've I've lost money um, in business dealings where. I, I was messing with people who didn't have any skin in the game, so they just walk away. So it's very important that that you have skin in the game. Um, what's it? Credit, cash, um, connects. Mm-hmm. Um, like it's not it's not um, it's not BS when they say your net worth is your network. <laughs> you know, it's just like um, the more people you know, the more people, the more the more deals, the more opportunities, the more things that come your way. Right, that's like, to me, that's the most important thing. The, your connects, you know, your ability, your ability to get it done, your ability to know who who you could call, uh, the the resources that come to you, and so forth. Mm-hmm. And the last one is your character. Um, if if your name is Mud, you're dead. You know, like streets talk. You know, you think chicks pillow talk, like in in business. <laughs> Everybody talking, so you do one person dirty. Everybody's gonna know. Ain't nobody gonna mess with you. Um, like one of the things I'm I'm really proud of is that I've been in this game 20 plus years. Like um, I've never I've never jerked anybody on a deal. I've never lied to anybody. I've never I've never taken anything that um, that didn't belong to me. Um, and and I could even say I've never lost anybody money. Um, well, I lost one person money, but I made it back for him. <laughs> Um, but like there's been times, there's been times like I've had investors invest in something and I, I promised them a return and it didn't happen. And 
you know, I paid out. I paid out like like it did. Like everything went went cool because I didn't want to burn that bridge. Mm-hmm. You know, like oh yo, um, we invested in this. You're gonna make X. You're gonna make X out, out of this. You know, and I, I'd rather pay him that and knowing that I could go back to him one day then come back yo it didn't work out yo you, you know what I'm saying yeah it's not gonna be worth it yeah yeah, so yeah. Rick Ross I think that's Carol City Cartel if I'm not I know but then he says color. Okay. I mean when you talk about diamonds okay yeah um let me ask you this as far as the um because you're a developer landlord you're a broker contractor so how important is it for people to learn all aspects of real estate um or do you think it is important for people to learn all aspects of real estate? You know, um, back when I when I was doing here, right? Um, I went to India. I went to India and I learned. Um, how know. did you get to India? That's Yo, in my mind, yeah, I yeah. Want, uh, in my mind, all I can think about is American Gangster. How did how did you Frank get? How did, went how, to how, did that, <laughs> how did you go to India to get to get here? How did that happen? All right. So I told you things were really bad. So things are really bad. So what do you do when things are really bad? You Grind. No, you have a big ass party at your house. <laughs> so that, I, that's an option. So that's an option. Remember, I still had that this, was my next guest. Remember, I still had this big ass house, in the, you know, out in Jersey. Yeah. yeah. So um, might as well. Why not? If you lose it, at least you got some good memories. Exactly. So <laughs> I, I have this pool party, like two hundred people in, at, at my crib. This, that, the other people in the pool. This, that, and the next day, straight stunting edition. Straight stunting. <laughs> the next day. I'm cleaning the filters out and I'm pulling out hair, hair all over, the place. all over, Ooh. right? And I'm just like, yo, who did this, <laughs> right? Mm. So, so I'm like, I'm like looking at the pictures to figure out what what girl left without her hair, uh, what girl, um, you know, shed in, shed in my um, pool. <laughs> <laughs> and then I realized it's, it wasn't one girl; it was a whole collection. It was every girl in there. Mm. Mm. I was just like, yo, that's where the money's at? Shout out to all our women who uh, wear weaves. No disrespect. Thank you. We love you. Thank Thank you. you. (laughs) (laughs) Saved your life. Saved my life. But um, so I ended up like doing a little bit of research about this. And this was around the time um, Chris Rock had that good hair thing. Oh, yeah, yeah, Um, yeah. And then um, so I'm trying, like the internet wasn't popping, popping like it is right now. Like you could get anything like like that. no matter. So I literally had to go to India to get me a connect, to get me a good connect, or else I, I'd basically have to buy retail and and pretty much make, make a small margin. So sight unseen, you just went to India and just like figure it out when you get there? Yeah. Where'd you go? Ch- Chennai, hair capital of the world. The hair capital of the world. <laughs> you know? You gotta meet somebody there. Yeah. You know? And they speak English. Um. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah, they speak English, yeah, they do. Okay. So I, I got the... So I basically got the connect, got got a couple of connects. So you like Frank Lucas? Yeah, that's what I said. I'm, yeah. I'm thinking he, he going to Vietnam right you now. You know, so I, I go out there and you know, um, I start buying, I start buying from somebody, and and that didn't work out, and bought from somebody else. You know, until you know, um, like you know, my first shipment was always great, and then I sent, you know, what I'm saying I, I sent, I had a first shipment for like you know, ten keys or something like that. Right, and, 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 that, and that's great, all right. And then, um, so I'm just like, all right, send me over 50 keys, 
right? <laughs> That's right. 50 so, keys of bundles. 50 keys of bundles. They're coming in four-ounce packets. Yo, Shai, when we, when we title this, please, 50 keys of bundles. 50 keys of bundles. <laughs> so, Let that go over your head. Yeah, so so what ended up happening was like when I bought the 50 keys, it was just like, um, it was like, Five keys was good, and it was like forty-five keys of garbage. Put it on your tongue; it wasn't getting it known. <laughs> no. Yeah, so they sold, you, they sold you a bad product. Exactly. So we got screwed over in India a few times. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Personally, habitually. Personally uh, yeah, habitually. On, on, on the merch, we uh, uh, um app. Uh, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. We started. We did. We did an app, and um, <laughs> this guy completely screwed us over. Ran us for like twenty thousand. Thirty. Had, there was it thirty. Thirty bands. Then we hired another Indian. To go fly from his part of India to the other part of India, yeah, it was he crazy. He screwed us over. We lost. And then they went on holiday for three weeks. Yeah, we and lost. We, couldn't we find lost a lot again. of money in India. You, you was they, on. You was on. Um, you was on Zoom calls with them, the FaceTime. And all nah, that. Zoom wasn't popping in. Um, WhatsApp, like uh, WhatsApp calls at like one o'clock in the morning because it's like you know, one yeah. o'clock in the afternoon over there, and um, they acting like they don't really speak English good. It was when, a whole ordeal when they want to. Yeah. yeah, yeah, it's tough. We should have called you, man. It's, yeah. it's Jew, tough. Jew nah, yeah. it's real, and it's like all of these stories bring back so many memories because it's like I always say, hustling isn't a hobby. If you're an entrepreneur, you got to get the job done by any means necessary. And, and it's like even with us, like dealing with merch in Pakistan, um, and like we interviewed Derek Grace, and his thing was in China, and you got to wire these people money, and you like hoping they don't screw you over. And it's like people don't understand. Like this is these are real stories. Like this really happens in real yeah. life. Yo, they really can run off with it. Yeah. Um, what can you do? Nothing. Hop on the plane. You know, one of the one of the, my my best flips ever was um, I had gotten a call. It was like maybe 2000, 2010. Like my man, my man in in um, my man somewhere. I ain't gonna say where. Um, called me up. He was working at a Dachshund place, and he had a container container full of um toilet paper mm. right he's like yo i get i get you this container full of like literally a container full of for like for like 2500 it's like something in the system where they, <laughs> like he like he's like yo i've been watch i've been watching this container it's, it's nowhere like yo you could have all the toilet paper in here <laughs> for 2500 right so that would have been perfect during COVID. Yeah, like, right? at the beginning of COVID. Exactly. So I'm, I'm just like, yo, tw- I did the math. I was just like, yo, that's like, that's like a hundred thousand dollars worth of um toilet paper, toilet paper in there. So full it. Right. So I'm just like, all right. So now, um, I'm calling people. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm calling like people. Um, so my, my man tell me he has a connect like where he supplies all the bodegas and and like. <laughs> You know, I could, I could yeah. do this and that. I, I ended up, um, I ended up like sending, sending the thing to Panama for like, and made like seventy five hundred dollars on, on the deal, mm. right? But, um, I like, my whole thing was just like, so I'm sending you twenty five hundred dollars, and I've never seen this toilet paper, and you're telling me you're sending it to Panama, and somebody's going to send me $10,000 back. And he was like, yeah. And I was just like, fuck it. (laughs) 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 Rolling the dice. (laughs) But but it worked, right? But, um, (laughs) um, (laughs) love it, love it. But, you know, um, Oh 
but man. but that's the way you lose money too. You know? <laughs> yeah, that's a fact. It, it worked out. Don't try this at home, yeah, please. It, it Don't wor- try this at it home. It worked out, but the truth <laughs> the, the truth of the matter is, um, what, like the best like the best cons, right? The best con games is when they they put the upside in front of you, and all you're looking at is the upside potential without the downside risk, mm-hmm. right? So um, what? You know what I'm saying? Made off. Uh, you know what I'm saying? All all of them great scams is is like oh I'm just looking at the upside. Hmm. You know what I'm saying? Like if, but bottom line is if it's too good to be true, most likely it is. Yep. You know that one incident. You know that one instance. It was um it it, it worked in my favor. Yeah. But um in hindsight, like being a man that I am today, um I wouldn't have risked it. Yeah. They had a lot of that lot of stuff going on with like PPE like. Mask, like you could buy these masks, and it's like it's always history always repeats itself, and um, there's always an opportunity for somebody to make money, but you got to be careful because, like you said, I mean those kind of things you hit, but you're gonna strike out more times than not. Wait for your pitch, and and like right now, I'm I'm big on taking risks, but it has to be a calculated risk, and um, it has to be a calculated risk, and it has to. Like I, I have to have a, a definite plan to to control my downside risk. You know, got to got to have those stop losses in place. Stop loss. That's important. That's, you know, that's important in all aspects. Yeah. <laughs> life, <laughs> life, yeah, life. Stop loss. Have it in place. You know, and like as as you progress, you know, the the more you go, like you got to constantly adjust your stop losses. You know what I'm saying? Um, the other day, the other day, I um, I'm involved in this business, and I, I I rolled up on the scene, and it was like a lot of high risk behavior <laughs> <laughs> going on. And you were analyzing the location. Yeah, and then, and then I was just like, yo, um, I'm making money, but I have to shut. I got to remove myself. Because, you know, one, my reputation, two, insurance, you know what I'm saying? Three, you could just get killed. Yeah. That's, that's an option, too. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. yeah, it's just like, yo, this is, this is crazy. Dangerous, it's, very dangerous. It's just... High-risk behavior. It, you know, there was nothing nefarious going on, but it's just like, like you get every... Un- uncomfortable. Yeah, every step, every step you take in life, you gotta, you know, like, um, like you ain't got... I think Jay has a set, has a line uh, where he's like, "Yo, I ain't gotta be in the projects all day or something like that." Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't be in the like, projects all day. Talking about I be in the projects all day. Yeah, that sounds stupid to me. Yeah, if you're so, a gangster. So, um, at some point, like, as as you elevate, you can't be doing the same things you were doing, and you can't take the same risks. You know what I'm saying? No, it's very true. And rest in peace to one of our biggest inspirations, Nipsey Hussle. The great. And it's an unfortunate situation, but sometimes when you you stay around too long. Jealousy, envy, just and just random things happen in certain neighborhoods where it's, um, you have to elevate Definitely. in life. And mm-hmm. you can't stay in the same environment that you might have grew up in, that you once felt comfortable in. Well, at some point, some one things that make you used to feel comfortable make you feel incom- uncomfortable at yeah. some point. Mm-hmm. You, sh- you should feel uncomfortable. And if you feel comfortable, you have to ask yourself why you feel comfortable. Yeah, it's just like... Um, like keeping it real or or keep you know um like you 
one of the, one of the things that I always try to try to try to um, say to myself is I'm not gonna be loyal and I'm not gonna be faithful to my old self. Mm. You know what I'm saying? It's like, constant evolution. Yeah, it's just like yo, just because I said it, just because I said it, you know, five years ago, two years ago, you know, doesn't mean that it has to stand true. Right. You know, um, and um, w- you know, not for nothing. Never give my heart to one, something like whatever. Yeah. And it's just like you and grow. Now, and now he's married. Now he's married. Yeah. Yeah. You and then, grow. Yeah. The evolution. Yeah. You know, like, what I'm but it's the same. It's, it's in that same lineage of of the growth of him and and just us listening to the music. It was like we watched him at that point. And we watched him become a mature husband and father. And the same line is like, yo, yeah. I ain't worked that hard to be the same. Yeah. You can't. You. You can't be scared to contradict yourself. Um, you know what I'm saying? For like, the betterment of yourself. Exactly. Right, right, right. Like, um, that, that's hustling backwards. That's yeah. also true. And you can do that ne- the next day. If I, don't feel, if I don't feel the same way I felt yesterday, I change my mind. Yeah. Does it all the time. You, at, a, at any point in time, <laughs> you can reserve the right to change your mind and completely yeah. become a different person. Yeah. That's why I don't, I don't really get into politics too much because they hold things that you said 20 years ago. Like, you said this, yeah, it was, yeah. It was 1984. I'm a different person now. Yeah. You know, it's like you, you can't be held accountable for things that you said 30 years ago. I mean, it's like Dame said, like I was pouring champagne on girls. Like yeah, I, I was out of my mind. 50 years old now. I, don't, I wouldn't do that now. Mm-hmm. Right. You, can't hold, you, got, you can't hold me accountable for what I did when I was 28. Yeah. It's, it's, it's wild, man. Like we, if, if you ain't growing, you staying the same. Fact. <laughs> so let Fact. me ask you this. Speaking about growing. Let's end it out on this. You you have a nonprofit, the Brooklyn Bank. What is the Brooklyn Bank? The Brooklyn Bank. The Brooklyn Bank is like my give back, mm. right? Um, so here I am, and keeping it real, hundred percent, right? Um, I make my money buying properties cheap and selling it to people um, high. And unfortunately, most of the people that I sell to, they don't look like me. Mm. So um, I love my people. I care about my people. Um, so what I what I did was I went and I actually bought the building, um, the Brooklyn Bank. Where's it at? Um, Eight ninety six Decal, but Bed Stuy, okay. real Bed Stuy, not you know not what okay. Biggie was talking about. <laughs> real Bed Stuy, <laughs> right? So um, so basically, so basically, um, I started this nonprofit where I have a building where I. I do financial literacy programs. Like tomorrow, we ha- we um, giving out toys to the kids. Um, Thanksgiving, Thanksgiving, we literally gave out a, th- a thousand turkeys and a thousand things of um, bags of groceries and stuff like that. So that's that's my personal give back. You know, um, my my opportunity to kind of even it out. Um, like the the Brooklyn Bank. What it, what it's really about is about financial literacy, financial empowerment, ec- economic empowerment. Mm-hmm. So I'm really big on teaching. You know whether whether it's budgeting, whether it's saving, whether it's credit, whether it's real estate, whether it's it's stocks. Just trying to um, share the information because you know like you guys do a really great great job on this platform of making the information available to those to those who probably could not get it elsewhere Mm -hmm. you know and and you make you know you bring you bring um you bring the right people on where um it's it's not foreign 
and that's the problem a lot of times people think think that these things are out of their out of their um out of their reach so i basically wanted to to provide a a space a community a mindset an organization where it's where we're focused on letting people know that yo you could do this you mm. know um this whole like my whole real estate thing right my real estate my business and all that other stuff i didn't invent anything like um like i've i've made tens of millions of dollars like i didn't create anything i didn't make anything better I didn't revolutionize anything. I'm just following the blueprint that, um, you, know, you know, that Andrew Jackson was doing back, back in the back in the 1700s. Mm-hmm. You know, like you buy you buy land and 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 you take take that value and you reinvest and this that the other and 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 you know you you practice discipline, you practice delayed gratification. You know, all these little little things like um, these are all the little things that people have to learn. So that they could elevate themselves. So is it is it an event space or is it like almost like a community center where it's any more of a community center people we, can come in? For yeah, we we were doing events. Um, we we kind of put that on pause. Mm-hmm. Um, like like right now I'm, I'm focused a hundred percent on doing doing community things and we're going into schools and you know bringing in financial literacy stuff. Yeah. Like. Oh, so you just partnered with a school? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, we partnered with a school the other day. Um, I did some research on you guys. I saw you guys were, were been in the school for years. Yeah, yeah. I, I'm a teacher. <laughs> okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that, that's dope. But that's really what I'm trying to do. You know, like, um, like there's a in regards to money, right? Like whether wh- whether you have um, ten million, twenty million, a hundred million, or or a billion dollars, right? Um, the price the price of a steak is the price of the steak. So everything else is excess, right? It's like so. That's kind of I'm I'm you know I'm blessed that I'm at a at a at a point in my life where like um, another check does not change my life, you know not not change the life that I that I enjoy leading, you know. Um, you, you had a dude up here. I, I was watching the episode and he said, "Yeah, well I got a bigger plane now." <laughs> oh yeah, Dal Freeman. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Spoke to him, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, yeah, yeah. Um, and, and shout shout out to him. OG free, yeah, yeah, yeah. Shout yeah. out to him if he wants a bigger plane. But it's just like I'm at a point in my life where I, I'm comfortable, you know. Like, um, like I don't want to, I don't want to be the dude in a Ferrari if everybody can't have a Ferrari. You know, because then, then you looking crazy. You looking like, you know what I'm saying? You looking like lunch. They're going to put you on the menu. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know. Um, Not if you're in Atlanta. <laughs> <laughs> Everybody got Lamborghinis in Atlanta. Yeah, exactly. That's, that's, Best that, that's, that's going to be tough. Uh, there's there's yeah. no COVID in Atlanta. It's, it's popping. <laughs> that also might be true. That's fact. So, that is a fact. So, that, that's the Brooklyn Bank to me. You know, like, it's it's a community. It's, it's, uh, it's. And it's funny because, like, when I talk to Brooklyn Bank, a lot of times people just think about the physical location, mm-hmm. which is cool, you know, because I, I'm, I'm sometimes still in awe of it. It's just like, yo, dude, you, got, you own a bank, yo. Yeah, it was, was it a church first or was it a bank, it, church, then bank? It was a bank. Yeah. Um, like, it was built It was built as a bank. Like, oh. the whole thing is, is like, 16-inch cement okay. and concrete and bricks, right, with a vault, with a vault and everything. Mm-hmm. Um, and then... Um, in the 80s, they started using it as a church, 
when when the bank went under. Um, shout out to Reaganomics. Um, when the bank went under, um, they started using it as a church, and then I took, you know, I, I got that deal, um, and originally, like, my line brother had hooked me up on that deal, because I, I got, you know, like, there was mad people trying to get that building, you know, um, and one of the, one of the caveats of, of how I got it, because how I got it, and, um, how I, um, how they accepted my bid instead of some of the other bids that was higher is that I promised that I would keep doing good work in there. Mm. You know, like I wouldn't turn it into a strip club <laughs> <laughs> or I wouldn't knock it down and, and build condos or nothing like that. So More say, employees. Yeah, no. <laughs> Atlanta might argue that that might be good work. <laughs> shout out to Support Black Businesses. Shout out to Blue Flame. <laughs> shout out to Magic City. Shout out to 112. Yeah. <laughs> Support black business. Exactly. Support black businesses. I digress. <laughs> Club Rolex. I see you. <laughs> Onyx. I tell her to look up because it's snowing in Tootsies. Digress. Okay. Well, there you have it, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> nah, Jude, it's been a pleasure, man. And once again, thank you for teaching that class on EYL University. That was dope. And uh, tell them about that, your experience. I know you, you answered questions for like an hour and a half. Like, how was that teaching? It, it, it was dope because, um, like, prior to, like, I kind of have it in my, in my head how I go about analyzing the deal. So prior to that, I've never really written it down, written the formula down, and, 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 and wrote it down. So I'm, like, looking at it. I was like, hey, this is, this is real, you know? This is what I do. Mm-hmm. And um, it was it was very, um, it was pleasing because like the, um, sometimes sometimes I, t- I, I talk to people and it's just like, they don't get it. But it, w- it was good to be in, in a, a, a platform where, you know, where your earners, like this is what they do and this is what they're trying to, this is what they're trying to do mm-hmm. and, and they're not, they w- the questions were intelligent questions and um, they, you know, you know, you as a teacher, you know how it feels like when every when every question is a good question. Exactly, <laughs> exactly. No, nah, yeah, I understand because like when when sometimes when a question is phrased, you can tell somebody's been critically thinking, mm-hmm. um, and that's important, right? Because it's like, all right, I know that that's coming from a place of of wanting to know, not just I just wanted to say something. Yeah. And so, shout out to all the earners that asked all those questions. Yeah, we yeah. we watched the presentation; it was, yeah, it was pretty I dope. I, um, I didn't get a chance to watch the whole question and answer, but. They told me it lasted two hours, which is longer than usually. So I know that there was a bunch of question and answers. So that's dope. They said Jamal said everybody's got their question answers. So that's dope. Yeah, like um, you know, my goal, my goal, my personal goal is like, like I said, I've made a lot of, I, I've made a lot of mistakes. You know, like there's, there's no reason why um, I'm not sitting, you know, sitting on nine figures right now, like, except that I made a lot of mistakes, and. My, you know, my, my goal is to make sure that people don't necessarily make the same mistakes that I made. You're gonna make your own mistakes, but there are a lot of there are a lot of mistakes that I made that could have been avoided if somebody had just pulled me to the side, or if there was a platform like yours where where um, I could get the knowledge. No, that's a fact. So how Big can fact. how can the people contact you? Social media handles. What's the information? Brooklyn Bank or any other initiative that you want to make the public aware of? Um, two two places you could get in touch with me. You can get in touch with me at the Brooklyn Bank. That's 
um, the Brooklyn Bank, as it's spelled, and you could hit me on IG um, at Mr. Jude Bernard, M R dot J U D E B E R N A R D. Thank you, Troy. Housekeeping items? Yeah, shout out to everybody on Patreon.com. Y'all know that's our Proud to Pay program. Uh, we reference Nip, and uh, that's where we got the idea from. So, again, rest in peace to Nip. Shout out to everybody in Crenshaw. Shout, shout out to everybody that showed us love out there when, when we visited the West. Um, and obviously, you know, for tier five members, you get access to EYL University where you can get some good knowledge from some solid professors, man. And uh, the, Exceptional the professors. Exceptional. top of the line. Um, so we appreciate all the support. Um, and shout out to everybody that has been copying the new merch. I know y'all, I know y'all saw that, that varsity jacket that my boy had on. Looking, looking crisp out there, man. Um, so shout out to everybody that's supporting that, man. We are very excited to have it and seeing everybody wearing it is a, is a testament to, to hard work, man. So salute to all y'all. Yeah. And shout out, once again, shout out to UI University. And that's people ask like, what's the difference between this and the podcast? And it's like our question and answers with somebody that, you know, has $40 million in real estate. is not something that you get to do every day and, um, to have a PowerPoint presentation and stuff like that. So these are different things that we bring to UI University. Um, and we're very, very proud of that platform. So shout out to all the earners out there. Uh, thank you guys for rocking with us. We'll see you next week. Peace. 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 Take your business further with the smart and flexible American Express Business Gold Card. You can earn four times points on your top two eligible spending categories every month, like transit, U.S. restaurants, and gas stations. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Four times points on up to $150,000 in purchases per year. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash businessgoldcard. Support for this podcast and the following message come from Corient. Corient provides wealth management services centered around you. They focus on exceeding your expectations and simplifying your life. Corient has been helping high achievers just like you enjoy their lives more fully, preserve their wealth, and provide for the people, causes, and communities they care about. As one of the largest integrated fee-only registered investment advisors in the U.S., Corient has deeply experienced teams in 23 strategic locations. Corient has extensive knowledge spanning the full spectrum of plan investing, lending, and money management disciplines. Leverage Corient's exclusive network of experts to craft custom solutions designed to help you reach your financial goals, no matter how complex they may be. Real wealth requires real solutions. For more information, connect with a wealth advisor today at Corient.com. That's C-O-R-I-E-N-T.com. Corient.com.